rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right. Yo. Hi, everyone. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out with me every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. RDT Daily stands for Republican Dirty Tricks. It used to be RepublicanDirtyTricks.com. You can go... You could still go to RepublicanDirtyTricks.com. It will take you to RDT Daily. It just became a thing. Everybody started calling it RDT. So we decided to make it RDT Daily and, I don't know, make it a little bit more news-friendly. I don't know what. We were thinking, really. Should I have left it Republican Dirty Tricks? Who knows? These are questions philosophers will be debating for generations, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I got a new mic stand here. Thankfully, I won't have to hold the mic with my hands. We'll hold the mic uh, arm with my hands. But I want to thank Cynthia, Sin City, and V, who sent me a nice donation. So your donation allowed me to get this beautiful new mic boom stand. It's not a boom. It's a... It's uh, I don't know what the hell. It's an arm. It's a mic arm. So thank you. And thank you for all the patrons as well. We have, we have a growing community of patrons. And we have a growing community of, of viewers and listeners. So one day at a time, we will meet our goal of doing a daily show. That's the goal. I don't know how long it's going to take. It might take a year. It might take two years. Oh, well, it's going to definitely take more than a year at this rate. So, But the more shows that I do, that we do, the more we can reach people. And the community grows. And you guys do a lot of work as well. So not just the donations, but also sharing the show and things like that. That helps. It really does. Share the show like the show, you know, blah, 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 subscribe, give a good review on iTunes, become a patron, share the Patreon with your friends. These are things that we can do together. And thank you, because when I get, also when I get that, um, when I see that happening, I'm getting the feedback that I should continue with this. You know what I mean? So if nobody was there, everybody was like, you suck, get out, leave me alone, I would not do this show, right? I mean, I'd have to be a masochist at that point. So I guess some people, I don't know, you know what I often wonder, to tell you the truth? Um, Willie Geist, I don't know him personally, but what is the appeal of Willie Geist? What, what is really, what does he bring to the table? Right? He seems, he seems, we was, I think I mentioned it in the other show. Uh, that we did during the week, but he doesn't have any... He seems like a very generic person. He's not interesting. He He's a generic white male. And what does he bring to the table? He's not really... What does he share? Does he share his life experience? He is he... Does he have some personality? He feels very... I don't know. There's something not interesting about him at all. Maybe does that make him interesting? I don't know him. How did he get a position on 
the corporate media. He doesn't have any. He really. I and then I saw him hosting some other morning show too. So he's not only doing Morning Joe. Then he was on some like, you know, the Today Show or something, doing a co-host thing. Like, oh, bring us Willie Geist. It's not like everybody's like, oh, I can't wait to see Willie Geist. Is there are there people really out there that are fans of Willie Geist? It's just very bizarre to me. Who does he know that got him that job? Does he have an agent? Who Who is his? He has a very good agent, I'm sure, if that's the case. I'm sure he has an agent. I'm sure, yes, his father was famous, right? His father was something. Willie Geist. That's why I'm like, I'm watching him. I'm like, what the hell does he have? He has nothing to say. He's boring. Well, he had, what he has to say is all every day. He has to bring up, and we, I don't want to repeat the other show, but this is what we were talking about in the other show, how uh, during the week, how, we was, how um, he, has to, he has to bring up every show at least five times how people will lose their private health, how, how someone, how AOC, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, they all want to strip people of their private health insurance. Yes, he was a comedian, supposedly, I don't know, maybe he's one of these, like, dry comedians or something. Um, anyway, I have no idea. Let's see. Geist is the author or co-author of two humor books that have appeared in the New York Times. Oh, on the New York Times bestseller list. Good Talk Dad, written in 2014 with his father, Bill Geist. Let's see, who the hell is Bill Geist? Geist was born in Champaign, Illinois, a retired author, columnist, and television journalist. Okay, yeah, of course. It's like, it's the nepotism parade every friggin' morning. This is what the founders fought a revolution against. I, I thought we were a meritocracy. Everywhere I look, it's nothing but the the sons and daughters of those who, I maybe they brought something to the table. Right? Who is, uh, like, for instance, Goldie Hawn's daughter? Goldie Hawn is, I forget her name. Goldie Hawn, I'll look it up. But she, I was like, oh, yeah, Kate Hudson. She, who is Kate Hudson? I mean, Goldie Hawn is funny and talented and was, if you look at her old stuff, even. And when I was younger, the movies that she was in, very funny, very, she, she, she's clever, funny, cute, all those things, whatever. And, but her, like, who the hell is Kate Hudson? Whatever. Why am I seeing a billboard of Kate Hudson? Because she is a famous person's daughter, like somebody who had talent. And so we have to, we have to, inf they have to inflict themselves upon us. So, so right now there are very talented human beings running around trying to get a, get a break in show business. Uh, for instance, I know somebody very talented. Her name is Mary Birdsong. She is an amazing actor. And she does this incredible... She wrote a show about Judy Garland. And she performs as Judy Garland and sings her own... She sings with her own voice as Judy Garland and sounds exactly like Judy Garland. She's amazing. And she wrote this show. It was off-Broadway. And then she she went to California. She, she was in actually in... Um, Reno 911, she is officer, she's the 
the dikey looking officer. And I could say that because I'm a dyke, so, you know. Um, officer, anyway, if you if you watched Reno 911, and she's in a few other shows, sometimes I'll be watching television, and Mary Birdsong will show up. But she's an incredible artist. She really is one of these um, unbelievably talented people, the most talent, one of the most talented people that I know, and can write, can sing, can, she does it all, act, she's incredible. And so that's why it gets me mad. And she struggles to get good work. She's getting good work now, but it took years and years and years. But, you know, uh, then when I drive down the damn BQE and see a friggin' billboard with Kate Hudson on it, I'm like, who the hell? Why isn't Mary Birdsong on that goddamn billboard? You know what I mean? I'm just sick of it. And so... uh and and we're supposed to be all conditioned to this, the nepotism parade or whatever. But as we t- lull ourselves to sleep with a fairy tale of a meritocracy, I wish we had a meritocracy in all in all aspects. Not that somebody who's an actor, you know, is not making or breaking the world, but you know, actually, that's not really true because uh, art has a very, you know, it has a. I hate even saying the word very because it reminds me of Trump. Everything reminds me of him. Very. You can't say anything because that's all the. That's the only thing he knows how to say. It's very. It's uh. It's very bad. It's very good. It's a. It's a very. It's a very this. It's a very big. Very, it's a disgrace. That's another one. You can't say disgrace. You can't say very. But, you know, um, art has a a an important place in our lives because we are. We want to communicate. That's human beings. We we are. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to, you know, uh, connect. And also, we we can live and see somebody else's life through uh, through art, through uh, a show, a movie. You can uh, re, you can almost feel and live their experiences. And I think it opens people's minds. So anyway. Anyway, I, uh, somebody is just texting me. I went to, because I went to the Bernie rally. That's why I just got distracted. I, I cannot, why do people freaking always text me when I'm on the show? So, um, anyway, my name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out every Saturday evening. And thank you for being a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. I'll, I will thank the patrons in the next hour. I'm a little bit uh, tired. I had a very long day, but it's one of those good days because I went to see Bernie Sanders in Queens today. And it's, I mean, I woke up early. Thank God I'm alive, right? One more day on this planet to try to help and make this world a better place. And I think sometimes, as we were discussing in the last show, that uh, I, you know, sometimes get depressed. I've been... My whole life, we we all have struggles, right? But one of mine is I get, I have, I have to really work on my negative thinking, right? So I I do, I work on it. Um, And by working on it, I mean that I do, I really try not to let myself get into those negative thoughts. And uh, so... Because I realized somewhere along the line, I had a, I, I had an epiphany or whatever, and I felt I, I, I guess it's really it was very liberating to figure out 
or be blessed with the with the understanding that I had a little bit I had more control over my thinking than I thought I did so my job when I say work on it is when I get those negative whatever thoughts of uh what's the point you know everything sucks and then I start getting really down that um I don't listen to it you know that's the work that when I used to think that I would three ghosts would visit me in the night and I would everything would be wonderful but that's not how it happens in life for, uh, at least for me I wish some ghosts would visit me frankly wouldn't it be cool I would like to be visited by some ghosts I, I, they wouldn't scare me as long as they're not demons you know I don't want any Republican ghosts visiting me I don't need like you know uh, uh, what's his name uh, who needs uh, Scalia or something. Talk about, like, please, you don't want the live ones visiting you in the night, much less the ones who are who are burning in hell, right? <laughs> Forget about it, because you know they're in hell. If there is a hell, that's where they're going. What do you think Jesus is going to say when they get to the pearly gates? Oh, come on in. The great job celebrating kicking millions of Americans off health care. Great job turning people uh, into nothing but hosts from which to suck profit and discard. Great job inflicting each uh, minority groups, um, kicking down on the poor, and uh, turning the mechanisms of power against the minority groups du jour. Great job, guys. Come on in. We got a couple of mansions over here right next to Janis Joplin, who's definitely in heaven. As we know, but anyway, what was I saying? So, uh, yeah, I so I try so working on my negative thinking. Um, well, where did, how the hell did this? Uh, yeah, why isn't Cheney, right? Cheney, Dick Cheney, of all the uh, you know when I heard that that um, Congressperson, uh, God damn it, see what a long day, who just passed away. What's his name? You know what I'm saying. Oh, God. You know, civil rights icon John Lewis. Right? Was was it John Lewis? God in heaven help me. And I don't even believe in God. Let me see. I'm just, oh, yeah, of course, John Lewis. When I said his name, it's, for some reason it didn't sound familiar. So, um, yes. When did he pass away? God damn it. I'm sorry for the dead air. It's not John Lewis. Of course, right. Elijah Cummings. What am I talking about? I just Googled John Lewis. Is John Lewis alive? Why am I saying John Lewis? Because they're both black representatives, right? So I'm sorry, right? Now I'm, I seem like a real dick right now. Uh, so Elijah Cummings, when, you know, he passed away. I was, when I thought, I saw that flash on the screen, I was like, Man, it's never it's never Cheney, right? It's never one of them. Cheney gets to walk around with a mechanical heart. But we lose someone like Elijah Cummings, a civil rights icon, someone who is on the front lines. I mean, there obviously there were some things that got on my nerves about him obviously because he was very um he was uh, I during the 2016 campaign, I remember he was attacking Bernie, saying, oh, was it him? Maybe I'm getting him confused now. 
So, anyway, maybe I should shut up before I say something stupid. Er. So, about that. Yes, draft dodging Dick Cheney. Darn tootin'. So, when, it's just letting you guys know, if you're, if you are a podcast listener and you have the time, come and join us on Saturday evenings, especially on the YouTube channels, because we have a nice community who hangs out and chats, and I like, they're like the producers of the show, frankly, and my friends, my good friends that I see every week when I don't, like, I don't see Sin City in the list right now, so, oh, there, there you are. Am I wrong here? Oh, this might be from the other day. Anyway, whatever. All right, listen. Listen up, guys. Yeah, John Lewis was a Bernie naysayer. So I went to... Okay, so today... So every every Saturday I have a little gathering of my Buddhist group at my house at 10 a.m., so that's always nice. And then after that I went... I rode my bike down to see Bernie, and... uh. I, of course, I went to the wrong park at first because I, I saw Bernie at another park once here in, in Queens, and I just had it in my mind that that's where he was. So I had a ride to the other, other park, so it was a very tiring uh, morning. But, and then standing there for hours, it went, uh, it, the thing started at like 1, and then it didn't end till almost 4 o'clock. So, but it was, it was great. And there were so many people there. And it was, as Bernie said, look around at the diverse uh, crowd. That's, this is America. And I wanted to play, so I, because I got home so late, I didn't have a lot of time to grab a lot of the, a lot of the videos I wanted to grab so we can talk about. But this in particular was, this is Bernie's, the end of his speech, how he wrapped up. And honestly, I was basically standing there with tears coming down my face because it really is, this is exactly what we're fighting for. And it reminded me of what we say all the time. We stick together, we win. This is what Bernie was saying. So let me, let me play this. Wall Street, the insurance companies, drug companies, fossil fuel industry, military industrial complex, prison industrial complex, the whole damn 1%. They're not going to give up their wealth and their power without a fight. And the question that we have got to answer together is are we prepared to stand up to them and transform this country? I want you They're saying we will win. I want you all to take a look around and find someone you don't know. Maybe somebody doesn't look kind of like you. Maybe somebody might be of a different religion than you. Hope you can hear it. it's a Maybe little they low. come from a different country. My question now to you 
is are you willing to fight for that person mm -hmm. who you don't even know as much as you're willing to fight for yourself? Yes, and that's, the, that's it in a nutshell. This is what we mean when we say we stick together, are we win. Are you willing to stand together and fight for those people who are struggling economically in this country? Are you willing to fight for young people drowning in student debt, even if you are not? That's right. It's, this is the message of E Pluribus Unum. To fight to ensure that every American has health care as a human right, even if you have good health care. Are you willing to fight for frightened immigrant neighbors, even if you are native-born? Mm. It's, it's really, it chokes me up just listening to it again. Are you willing to fight for a future? for generations of people who have not yet even been born, but are entitled to live on a planet that is healthy and habitable. Because if you are willing to do that, if you are willing to love, if you are willing to fight for a government of compassion and justice and decency, if you are willing to stand up to Trump's desire to divide us up, mm -hmm. if you are prepared to stand up to the greed and corruption of the corporate elite, if you and millions of others are prepared to do that, there is no doubt in my mind that not only will we win this election, but together we will transform this country. Thank you all very wow. much. Amazing. It's, um, I feel the same. The, I feel verklempt listening to that. Uh, it choked me up standing there amongst 20,000 people. They had to close the gates. They, there were too many. And just getting out, there were, the streets were packed with people. Of course, there were a few Trump Z's. There were about five of them. I was curious to see if the corporate media, how the corporate media, how they covered the event. I, I'll have to check back, but because, yeah, of course, I um, immediately assume, who knows? I don't know if that happened yet. Well, it'll be, they'll say there was a big rally in uh, for Bernie, and then, but there were some protesters there, and they'll give it equal weight, even though there were about maybe 10 10 Trumpanzies being very loud and obnoxious, yelling Bernie the Bolshevik and looking like a bunch of douchebags draped in American flags and big giant MAGA hats. But that his, me his message, when I, as I was listening to him say exactly what we say every week, that's what we stick together, we win, means are you willing to fight for someone who doesn't have health care? even if you have health care yourself? Or are you willing to fight for the, the persecuted immigrant when you or maybe may be uh, native-born? 
that's a yes. And people in the in the crowd were yelling yes, yes. You couldn't hear um, on the on the video, but that's that's it. That is what America means. It is the patriotic duty of all true Americans to resist this fascist takeover of this country and to to actualize the promises in our founding documents. That is our duty. And it is a patriotic imperative that we, how we frame the argument, Medicare for all, universal higher education, universal um, a, a living wages, what Bernie was talking about, all of these things that other countries have, but that... Uh, the, the, that we don't have, why, why is that? How do, they, how do we continue to allow them to get away with that? Because it is divide and conquer. And a lot of the people, and I went with my friend Stephanie, and we were discussing what was going on, and then there were other people around us, of, as if you go to a Bernie rally or usually a rally, or any rally with normal people, we you know you start having conversations and um the so people uh, were saying how like for instance my friend Stephanie was telling me that her friend was going on about how uh you know she, why should she care about somebody without health care she doesn't want her taxes to go up but i mean that's the that's the that's the frame from the corporate media and the health insurance lobby that is banded together now to fight universal health care. They're, they're fighting like rabid dogs on a chicken wing to prevent the inevitable. I believe that we will eventually have this. It's the, the mind of the American people has really changed. And it's up to us. Or do we believe, do we truly believe that we deserve it? How do we accept the crumbs that they dish out, that they take the, as Michael Moore was one of the speakers, he, he described it as, they take the whole, every slice of the pizza and leave us fighting over the crumbs and tell us that it's, uh, you know, that they've done us a favor by allowing us a crumb here and there. But it's, it's about us understanding that it's not normal to to live in a country where we we are supposed to be you know a representative democracy promoting the general welfare where the wants and needs of working people have a statistically insignificant effect on government policy that is a that's a broken system and it's broken by money money is the root of all evil and i know you know that we've discussed it before but it really is and that's why a candidate like Bernie Sanders, who doesn't take corporate money, and he has begun a wave of uh, the, a change, a paradigm shift in this country. There is no doubt. There is no, there's no argument there. All of the Democratic candidates, whether they're corporate candidates, DLC candidates, or they're more progressive on the normal person side, they're, they're not, um, you know, they understand. They're all discussing universal health care in some form, but there are some that are just in bed with the corporate, uh, with the, um, you know, the health insurance lobby. And some of them um, don't even recognize that there is a problem. They don't think there's anything wrong with the system. 
that allows the working the the majority of working people. So I mean, what am I gonna what what am I trying to say? So for instance, like Bernie, he brings up the the statistic that the that there are three human beings in this country that have more wealth than than fifty the bottom fifty percent of the population. That's not democracy. That is not normal. And if you're somebody who supposedly loves capitalism, I'm so sick of this capitalist fetish. There's obviously capitalism needs regulation because without regulation, what is we we we've seen capitalism. Capitalism will destroy this planet. You have to regulate capitalism. Capitalism gave us climate change, and it continues to give us this climate change denial. That's capitalism. Capitalism killed, uh, you know, uh, you think, I think of the middle passage of human beings being thrown overboard because they weren't valuable to capitalism. How many, how many Africans died on that voyage? And so, uh, the horror of someone being ripped from their home and then not being deemed worthy of even making the, completing the journey. Or for whatever reason, there are many instances of slavers throwing their human cargo overboard. It's disgusting. And think about, that's a human being. And to be so commodified, that is not not to be so commodified, to be commodified, this is, that's capitalism. Capitalism gave us that, the slave trade, and it will, it would do it to us again if we allow it. Don't be so lulled into a sense of security that that can't happen. They'll do it maybe in other ways, and until the day comes that they can, they can completely do it outright. They are, uh, we used to have debtor's prisons. If you weren't a, a slave, you could be an indentured servant. These things are making a comeback. And Republicans will, they're all for it. For instance, let me see, debtor, I'm just looking this up, debtor's prison. So... In Kansas, uh, let's see, let's see. Yes, it's this is what I I was recently reading, and it's not just recent. So here's another. I want to look up. Hold on, child labor, because because Republicans are for child bringing back child labor, and people are like, oh, that's crazy. You'll you'll never. That you know, you're talking. Uh, uh, yeah, well, you, they won't believe it. They don't believe it. It's it's true. Republicans have positioned the repeal of child labor laws as some kind of internship where kids can learn a trade and they'll get paid training wages. That's one of these friggin' Republicans. I'm trying to remember who it was. I'm looking it up. I know there was, I know that Steve Scalise, I think, had some brilliant ideas about labor laws. They're just all disgusting. And they frame it in a way that, oh, it seems palatable to some people. Because actually someone that I know said something to me about it. And he's, you know, whatever. He He's just a friend of mine, but he's gay. And not that but that means anything. But uh, he's a gay person who listens to 
the right wing radio. That's the point of what I was trying to say. Why he's gay? He's a friend. I mean, it's kind of strange to say he's a friend of mine, but he's gay, right? <laughs> I'm gay, okay. So I can. I didn't mean it like that. And uh, so, but he said something to me about this, as in a very innocent way about these child um, labor laws. Like, oh yeah, these kids, they're uh, you know kids today kind of thing. How you? They really need to be taught work. They don't, they're lazy. They don't work or whatever. And that's that's the Republican frame. We're just teaching young people the dignity of work. Like you need to teach people the dignity of work because people have inherent dignity. At least they have a sense of it. That Republicans think they have they have such little value. They think of us so lowly that they believe that we would all just lounge around in the social safety net hammock, but, uh, but for them teaching us the dignity of work. Get the hell out of here. Most people want to work. People want to have a productive life. But you also want to have leisure time, free time, time to be with your loved ones and enjoy things. You want, but you, people don't need to be taught the dignity of work. They have friggin' dignity, as it is. And, but Republicans don't feel that way. They don't believe that there is an inherent dignity. What they feel is that, the, some, as Rush Limbaugh lets slip out, some people are just born to be slaves. Not them, though, right? It's all, it's for them. All, they, as long as they're fine. So, here's, um... This is a, an article from three days ago in the Washington Post. A GOP lawmaker wants to repeal child labor laws in his state. He employs hundreds of minors. All right. So under Indiana's child labor laws, this is, this is by Christine Phillips. Minors can work for a limited number of hours, 18 hours a week for those ages 14 to 15 and 30 hours a week for 16 to 17 years old, year, year olds. Working more than that and into late night hours requires parental consent. Oh, it all it doesn't seem so logical, but ultimately what you're doing is you're devaluing the labor force. Of course, if you can pay children a lower rate and oh, couch it in some kind of intern l- language, then that's good. That's great for the 1% again. And but not that good for the labor class, for the working class, those who have to trade their time for a paycheck. But yeah, so a new bill would scrap all these rules and move that uh, a move that opponents fear would enable bad actors who expose minors to excessively long working hours. So now they want to repeal all those protections in itself. Uh, it's already a step in the wrong direction. But the kids should be in school. They should be, uh, you got to teach them 16 to 17 year old, 14 to 15 year olds can, can work 30 hours. Wait, wait, hold on. 18, only 18 hours a week. So I wonder if the, the children of the rich will be sending their kids to work wherever for this GOP lawmakers, what, you know, his private business, um, or will it just be the poor? Because instead of going to school and going home to study, now you got to go to work for uh, 16 hours or whatever. And, uh, you know, that kind of cuts into 
life. So not just laying around playing Fortnite either. You're talking about time that they could be doing other things, like how about a sports team? How about learning, studying, preparing for your for for the future instead of just sitting there uh, as some kind of you know pretend uh, like Indiana? What's this guy? Chip Perfect. That's his name. Indiana State Senator Chip Perfect. That. you know, pretending that you're do that you that these Republicans are pretending that they're doing a favor to these young people by repealing child labor laws. It's it's really unreal to say that. My concern. Let's see. Hold on. Let's see. The guy's name is all right. Like I just said, Indiana State Senator Chip Perf- Chip Perfect. I can't pronounce his name. It's it's uh, is the author of a bill that would roll back child labor laws in his state. But the, you don't even have to look back. I, 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 I ended up, I Googled child labor laws, and this is what came up. But I was actually referring to other incidences of Republicans trying to repeal child labor laws. This is what they do. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. You have to constantly fight Republicans. We can never sit back on our laurels and say, okay, we finished that fight. Thank goodness we're through that because they are literally, they are dragging us back to the times that we thought we left in the trash pile of history. So Perfect, who owns Perfect North Slope in his district in southeastern Indiana. What is Perfect North Slope? Must be, let me look that up. Thank God for Google. Or not God, thanks, thank government R&D. Perfect North Slope is a ski area in Indiana. Oh, okay. So he owns the Perfect North Slope in his district in southern eastern and southern and southeastern Indiana. So Perfect said in a statement that he had requested the Senate Ethics Committee to rule on whether a conflict of interest exists. All members, Republicans and De- Democrats, found it didn't. Perfect said. Though he didn't explain why. Well, that's the that's the new Republican normal. You don't you don't explain. You just say, oh yeah yeah, we looked into it. It's uh, it's all good. It's like Trump and his Doral property. They scoured the country, all over the country, of all of the hotels and resorts to host this international event. The best, isn't it a coincidence? The best property was owned by Trump. And isn't it a happy accident, though, that this Durrell, which is hemorrhaging money, will finally get back in the black again? It's just a happy coincidence. And the other thing is, uh, speaking of the Durrell, this, I don't even want to say the, these Trump properties, um, why, if he's such, if it's such in the goodness of his heart, why doesn't he just donate it? But no, it's a, the grift is right out in the open, and it's the same thing. Like this guy saying, "Oh yeah, we looked at it. Everything's fine. Don't nothing to see here. Keep it moving." Same thing with with Trump. What are you talking about? Oh yeah, just fake news. That's just fake news. The truth, when the truth comes out, it's fake news. Let's see. He also said he con- he consulted with the former chairman of, chairman of the committee. 
um, when he began thinking about sponsoring the bill, and he told there was no, and he was told there was no conflict of interest. Senate uh, uh, State Senator Liz Brown, the chairwoman of the Ethics Committee, declined to comment. Really? So is there a conflict of interest? The state's ethics rules don't prohibit legislatures, legislators from sponsoring or voting on bills that would potentially f- or personally or financially benefit them. Instead, they give legislators a discretion in deciding whether their stake in a bill amounts to a conflict of interest. So they're just saying to them, I wonder who wrote those bills. You think it was the representatives themselves, the grifters themselves? Yeah, we're, giving, we're leaving it up to your own personal set of ethics. And how convenient, considering Republicans don't have any. We're just leaving it up to them, how they feel about it. Nothing to see here. Move along disgusting. I hate Republicans. I really do. I really hate them beyond it's not it's not beyond reason. I think any reasonable person would hate them. You hate things that are destroying everything that's decent. It is a duty. It's a patriotic duty to hate these bastards and fight and fight them. Fiercely fight them. And I don't mean, you know, violently. In the we fight them with a winning strategy, we we beat them at the ballot box. But the fact is, we also have to understand what we're dealing with because they cheat, they rift, they grift, they gerrymander, they rig. That's the Republican way because they cannot win legitimately on the field of ideas because their ideas are, their ideas suck. They they're they're grifters. Of course, they're grifters. Everything is a grift to them because they have to pretend that they're working for the working class as they are stripping the working class of every of every hum, human thing that makes life worth living every every benefit every protection every regulation how do you start oh you you start by devaluing the, by telling these dumb bastards that oh regulations in themselves are are bad and then when someone strips you of the regulation, let's say, that says, you know what, you have to work. If you're working in a, in a company, they have to give you a, 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 a place to work that isn't hazardous to your health. But, you know, you, all you got to do is strip that regulation and tell the dumb bastards, hey, guess what? Good news. I stripped this company of those burdensome... I can't say burden, burdensome regulations. And then you have the dupes at the rally. Yay, thank you for slitting my own throat for me. I was, I was going to get around to it, but I was too busy driving an Uber. But thank you, Republican so-called representative. You did it for me. So this is an article from... Let me see. What date? I'm looking at the date. But I can't find a date on this article. Oh, yeah. The October 16th from Bing Boing. About, as speaking of what Republicans are doing, they're rolling back. They're dragging us back to the Gilded Age. So in Kansas's 
poor, sick places, hospitals, and debt collectors send the ailing to debtor's prison. So what's old is new again, right? Kansas is a living laboratory for a far-right experimentation with extreme economic cruelty, a state where Medicare expansions were thwarted, where xenophobia has penetrated the state bureaucracy, where a grifty, incompetent lawyer has apologized for slavery and driven women out of his own party, even as the neighboring states thrive by tending to the needs of the working people rather than the super-rich. So... Yes, so they're referring to, there's many links in uh, Minnesota, right next door, the left-wing economic miracle continues. So they, so let's see, in uh, Minnesota, Governor Mark Dayton, a left-wing billionaire heir to the Target fortune, came to power and reversed his Republican predecessor's Reaganomic idiocy instead of raising taxes Instead, raising taxes on rich people and uh, increasing public spending and creating a shared prosperity for the people of Minnesota. The result of the experiments continue to surprise and delight. Unemployment is down to 3.7%. Private sector earnings are up to 1.5%. And so on and on. Even Forbes ranked it the ninth in its table of best states for businesses. So there you go. But back, back to Kansas, At Can- as Kansas sinks into poverty and ruin, its people are growing ever sicker. Poverty is strongly correlated with poor health outcomes. And in fact, what, in Bernie's, during the speech today, he, he referenced something that here in the United States of serfs and lords, that the life expectancy of the poor uh, uh, is actually... I think he said 15 years lower or 14 years lower than it is for the rich. So poverty is in in America is literally killing people. But, you know, they they don't value the the serfs in this country. We are it's the serfs and lords. They they, you know, wait your reward in heaven. You get the the Republican policies, they're doing them a favor because you get to see Jesus quicker. You get to go to your mansion quicker. While the right-wing oligarchs covet all the earthly rewards for themselves. They're doing you a favor. That's how they'll frame it, and you'll have the assholes behind Twitler cheering. Yeah, that's right, Jesus. I want to see Jesus quicker. Strip me of my Medicare. Strip me of my pre-existing conditions protections. I don't like socialism. I don't need no socialism. I, when I turn on my water and drink out of the faucet, I want to. I hate socialism so much. I want to make sure that I, you know, taking a chance. We who needs regulations? Those filthy, dirty regulations. I want to drink lead in my water. That's what. That's socialism. There was some idiot. Outside the outside of Bernie's rally, run, running his filthy, stupid Trump Z mouth, of course. I mean, that's what they do with a bullhorn, um, yelling about socialism, saying, "I don't." He was like, "My friend just came back. He lived in wherever I don't know, some socialist, uh, probably Venezuela, and he said he would never vote for a socialist." And there you go, the uh, arguments by anecdote again, of course. 
Um, and I just said to the guy, enjoy socialist security. Enjoy socialist Medicare. That's how we, we need to call social security socialist security. Socialist Medicare. Enjoy your socialist police force. Enjoy these socialist roads. Enjoy the fact that when you eat your food, you're not going to die of some poisonous, if everything is running properly, of course, right? We know here in the United States of Serfs and Lords, there are people who turn on the tap, and thanks to Republican governance, they're in danger of drinking lead. So, you know, these are, that's a failure of Republican policies and greed-centered capitalism. There you go. So, you know, it's all about who you, who, who is, who do you choose to represent you? Do we, I, 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 I cannot understand Republicans. How much do you hate yourself, Republicans, to pick people who wouldn't lift a freaking, they wouldn't pull a goddamn hair out for you to, ca- to care about you? Whether you have a decent middle class life, you think that it's normal that we live in the least upwardly mobile with the widest income gap of all industrialized nations. That's what you think. You think that's normal. When it was 40 years ago, it was the exact opposite. Stockholm Syndrome is an amazing thing. Yeah, exactly, as Terry Taylor says on the, on the chat. Let me breathe, the tox- breathe in the toxic air. Yeah, let's, let all those... Remember how the... Corporations used to be able to just spew all their poisonous waste into the air in 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 California. How the there was oh the you had a smog index. That's what they want. They want to bring that back, and they are. They're trying to bring that back. That's socialism, though. We said enough is enough. We we have to live here together. And if you want to have a business, you can't use our collective, uh, the environment that we share the, and the air we breathe as a toilet for your filthy, poisonous waste. But to Republicans, they'll tell their dumbasses, oh, we got rid of those burdensome, burdensome, I can't, I better get pick a new word, burdensome regulations. Unbelievable. And they'll be cheering like a bunch of monkeys. I don't know. No offense to monkeys, because monkeys would never behave like like Trump and Z's. They wouldn't be so stupid. They wouldn't fall for the grift of a con man and beg for it. Begging, let's beg a con man for a trickle. That's a that's a productive way to spend your limited lifespan. Trying to ensure that. America remains the least upwardly mobile, and we live in a country where people die because they're splitting their diabetes medicine in half. That's that's a disgrace, but not the not to these Trumpanzies. That's why we are the patriots. And what Bernie was talking about—that is the patriotic imperative of the political revolution. That we ha- we are in this together. We're fighting for each other. We won't allow our fellow American or our fellow wannabe American. If somebody wants to come here, they want to live, they, they picked up their life to, f- they fled oppression or whatever, or maybe they just wanted to live in the United States, fine. They, we should open the door. That kind of person, that's the kind of person we want here. Somebody who has initiative, 
who has drive. But Republicans don't seem to understand that. Uh, that somebody who walks across a desert trying to, to live, uh, what a different world it would be, what a different country it would be if we said, welcome, you're safe, you're home, welcome home, instead of putting them in a cage and stripping them of their, their babies. You know, there's a process. But, yeah, that's how you have, I mean, really, what's that whole, um, that, that poem, the Emma Lazarus poem, Bring Me Your Tired, Your Poor, it's, that, that is the wealth of this nation. The fact that we're taking, that we're inviting others to come here is, actually makes us a better nation. That's what made America great. Because we were, we, we, we took the, the wealth of other people's nations, which is their, their human capital, and we put it, made it, uh, uh, you know, not that this is, a, I guess, a um, sort of a rosy-colored recollection of this, but it's, the fact is, yes, there's always been a backlash from, from uh, the racist, the, because there is a racist element that runs through some human beings. There's a tribal thing. I guess that's at one point in human development, we we had to be afraid. We had to we were we had to be tribal. We to protect ourselves from who knows who knew what was out there in the in the in the caves or whatever. But now in this big diverse world, it's not. It doesn't serve us. To be so, to be so afraid. What's I don't understand how you're afraid of a bunch of, of people who are just yearning to breathe free. Th- those people are the ones you want here. Those are people that have gratitude. They will. They will. That's they'll contribute to society. They they'll love America. I mean, I know if I if I had to I, when I think about it, if the shoe was on my foot and I had to flee this country and run to some other country and they open their arms, I would be, let's say that happened if in Ireland, if I fled and went to Ireland, I would be the most patriotic Irish person ever. Say, uh, because you have gratitude. You would love that country. You would be someone who contributes. So let me see. Here is... Uh, what was I looking at? Oh, yes, here is that article. Um, okay, as Kansas sinks into poverty and ruin, its people are growing ever sicker. Poverty is strongly co- correlated with poor health outcomes, especially in America, where being poor means you can't afford preventative care, and even more especially in Kansas, where limits on Medicare expansion exclude even very poor people from access to subsidized care. Enter hospital debt collectors. ProPublica's Lizzie Presser reports from Coffeeville, Kansas, home to the regional medical center, the only hospital for 40 miles now that its rivals have all shut down. In Coffeeville, magistrate judges are appointed and need no special training to hold the office. Judge David Casement, a cattle rancher who never studied law, presides over medical debt cases where he hears quarterly at a debtor's exam, quote-unquote. 
At these pre- at these proceedings, the debt collectors who have who who do have law degrees and whom the judge relies heavily on for legal advice are allowed to quiz sick people or their parents or spouses of critically ill or dying people about their assets and income and to ask the judge to order them to divert what little they have to Coffeeville Regional Medical Center minus the debt collector's healthy cut. Isn't this disgusting? But sick, poor people can't always afford to travel to the courthouse. Sometimes it's become they have to go see a specialist or take their kid or spouse to see one. Oh, it's because they have to see a specialist. Sometimes it's because they have to sell their car to make a previous debt payment. When this happens, debt collectors like Michael Hassenplug from Account Recovery Specialists can ask the judge to issue a warrant for the debtor who is taken to a local jail and hit with a $500 fine in bail. Many can't pay it and stay in, and have to stay in jail. Hassan Plug insists that they're not in jail for their debts, but rather their failure to appear. Oh, you see. Okay, there you go. But they didn't appear because, for these various reasons, they're not able to get there because they're sick. While others who manage to borrow the $500 often find that it is then surrendered to the hospital and its arm breakers. Meanwhile, the debts mount. In addition to punitive, uh, punitive, unserious interest, the hospital and its debt collectors reserve the right to lard on fees, fines, and penalties for people who struggle with repayment so that the poorer you are, the more you come to owe. Miss any of those payments, and you might end up in jail and deeper in debt. Though the debt collection filings are soaring in parts of America, Hassan Plug speaks with pride about how he discovered their full potential in Coffeeville long before a transplant from Kansas City. He was self he was a self dubbed dubbed whatever four star fuck up. That's what he calls himself. Who worked on he worked his way through law school. Well now he's fucking people over, so he's a four star fuck over. He moved to Coffeeville to practice in 1980 and soon earned a reputation as a hard ass. Just an asshole, really. He saw that his firm, Be- Becker, Hildreth, Eastman, and Gosser, didn't capitalize on, on their collection cases because they probably weren't rapacious sociopaths and Trump fanzies. I'm sure the guy's a Trump voter. The lawyers didn't demand sufficient payments, and they rarely followed up on litigation. He said where other attorneys saw petty work, Hassenplug saw opportunity. He had to squeeze the sick and dying and the families of, of those who are sick and dying. Hassenplug started collecting for doctors, dentists, dentists, and veterinarians, but also bank and lumber yards and cities. He recognized that medical providers weren't being compensated for their services, and he was maddened by the welfare mentality, quote unquote, as he called it. I mean, this guy's a this guy's a douchebag. I mean, putting it mildly, he's a he's a horrible human being. Just to put it uh, succinctly, that allowed patients to dodge bills. He says, "Oh, the welfare mentality allows patients to dodge bills. Like you really want to dodge bills? Who wants to have cancer? 
Anyway, you're not dodging bills. You're trying to live. And then you got to deal with this asshole, this Hassan plug bastard, this bully, this welfare mentality. Oh my God, I wish there was a God. To inflict some of the pain that this scumbag has inflicted on others. Let him be the one being hounded by debt collectors. Like uh, Lee Atwater. Let's hope he doesn't have to beg his maker on his deathbed to forgive him for all the harm he did to his fellow Americans. Unbelievable, right? Their attitude a lot of times is, "I'm I'm a single mom. I'm disabled. This is what this guy is saying. Can you believe this? He's he's trying to explain why he's a rapacious ghoul. Their attitude a lot of times is, I'm a single mom. I'm disabled. And the and means the rules don't apply to me. I think rules apply to everyone, he's, he told me. Well, he's a fascist brown shirt who would be more comfortable living, obviously, in Nazi Germany. You know that. These people are, that's who he is. I, I believe the rules apply to everyone. Even when you're a sick and dying bag of bones trying to eke out another day. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. He lodged his cases in a computer to track them, first with the firm and later with his own practice. He took debtors to court. He won nearly every time. In about 90% of cases nationally, collectors automatically win when defendants don't appear or contest the case. Hassenplug, what what a name too, didn't need to accept $10 monthly payments. He could ask for more, or in some cases, even garnish a quarter of the debtor's wages. His fee was, and often still is, one-third of what he collects. He asked the court to summon defendants over and over again. It was the judge's contempt authority that backed him. He said, it's the only way you can get them into court. Can you believe it? I hate these people. That's a, there you go. That's your Republican Party in a nutshell. And I know that it doesn't say, well, Hassenplug, is, is he Republican? What do you think? Who wants to take that bet? This is not a nice person. And there's something wrong with Republicans. And when they don't understand something as what Bernie was saying, that we're in this together, They would leave you, us all behind. These people are not, um, they're not capable of functioning in a free democratic society. Oh, the rules apply to everyone? What about compassion? What about we are in this together? What about it's, the, uh, most of us are one, two, three, or uh, paychecks away or less from being in a situation. What a, uh, nobody plans to have cancer. Unreal. Here's another story. On the last day of July, Trey Biggs stepped into the courthouse in Coffeeville, Kansas, for a medical debt collection day, a monthly ritual in this quiet city of 9,000 just over the Oklahoma border. He was one of 90 people who had been summoned, sued by the local hospital or doctors or an ambulance service for unpaid bills. Some wore eye patches and bandages. Others limped to their seats. 
by the wood-paneled wall. Biggs, who was 41, had to take a day off of work to be there. He knew from experience that if he didn't show up, he'd be put in jail. Before the morning's hearing, he listened as defendants traded stories. One woman recalled how at four months pregnant, she had reported a money order scam to her local sheriff's office, only to discover that she had a warrant. She was arrested on the spot. A radiologist had sued her over a $230 bill, and she'd missed one hearing too many. Another woman said she watched a decade ago as a deputy came to her door for her diabetic aunt and took her to jail in the final years of her life. Now here she was, dealing with her own debt, trying to head off the same fate. This is America, Americans. This is America. And if we didn't have a rapacious, for-profit, greed-centered system of health, so-called health care, this health insurance racket, this wouldn't be happening. People can just get their diabetes medicine. They wouldn't have to spend the last years of their life fighting debt collectors and going to jail. Biggs, who is tall and broad-shouldered with sun-scorched skin and hazel eyes, looked up as the defendants talked, but he was embarrassed to say too much. His court dates had begun after his son developed leukemia, and they picked up when his wife started having seizures. Oh, well, I mean, he didn't, he, I guess as Republicans would want him to plan for that. Pick a health care plan that, you know, factors all that in. Whether you, you know, the one that you need. Maybe you don't need health care this year. Or maybe you'll, uh, you'll plan to get seizures and leukemia next year. Like Buttigieg's plan. Oh, Medicare for all who want it. Yeah, I want it when I got seizures and leukemia. How, how am I going to schedule that in? In between my, my three uniquely American low-paying jobs with no benefits, no retirement security. Okay, he too had been arrested because of medical debt and it had happened more than once. Judge David Caseman entered the courtroom in black robe, swaying over his cowboy boots and silversmith belt buckle. Well, good for him. He's a cattle rancher who was appointed the magistrate judge. He has never taken a course in law. Judges don't need law degrees in Kansas or in many states to preside over cases like these. Caseman asked the defendants to take an oath and confirm that the newcomers confessed to their debt. A key purpose of the hearing, though, was for patients to face the debt collectors. I want to talk to you about trying to set up a payment plan. After you talk with them, you go free, he told the debtors. And then he left the room. <clears throat> the first collector of the day was also the most notorious. Oh, here we go. Michael Hassenplug, a private attorney representing doctors and ambulance services. Every three months, Hassenplug called the same nay-paying def de defendants to court to list what they earned and what they owed, to testify, quite often, to their poverty. It gave him a sense of his options, to set up a payment plan, to garnish wages or bank accounts, to put a lien on property. It was called a debtor's exam. Can you believe this? I can't, what am I reading? Uh, where, where do we live? This is not happening in Costa Rica or Singapore all, or I, I mean, how, all these other countries that we think, well, oh, well, USA, USA, it's happening here in Kansas. 
and these idiots still vote Republican. I bet you half of those people in the room will walk out and on election day vote Republican. Oh my goodness. It really is. Yes, Jim. It's a Dickens novel in America. And this this is why we need a political revolution. We have to change this system. Because we know in our hearts, they know that it's wrong. They have to justify it. And as you can see, this is how republics fail, too. Because you'll always have some self-serving sycophant to take up the most heinous jobs in the decline of a, of a civilization. They don't care. There, there'll always be somebody who will, like that, the judge, the so-called judge, who never try, who's not a lawyer, who's never taken a law class. He's just somebody willing to do the dirty work of the, of the 1%. And they'll always find somebody to fight against the, their own people. Who said that? Henry Ford was it Henry Ford who said I can I can hire one half the the working class to kill the other half. Hire one half to kill the other half. Let's see what comes up. Yes, I think it was Henry Ford. Let me see. Um. I'm looking at quote investigator. Hmm. Jay Gould. I think that was it. Yes. Not Henry Ford. I can hire one half the working class to kill the other half. Anyway. Well, one of these these greed-centered ghouls of, of the Gilded Age said it. And here we are again in the new, in the new Gilded Age. It's disgusting. And it was real. It's heartening to hear Bernie talk about love and fighting for our fellow Americans, regardless of our circumstances. If, we're, if we are better off, if we have a job, if we have health insurance, we should, we should fight for those who don't. And that's how we, that's how we unify. We're in this together. I'm, I'm so tired of. The it's Democrats, well, Republicans, they're talking about the divided nation. Well, they divide us to conquer us. So we keep taking the crumbs and considering it a banquet. And then you have someone like Joe Biden, whose name wasn't mentioned at the rally, but Bernie mentioned, or one of them, yeah, it was Bernie, I believe, who said something like, oh, uh, if you're promising that nothing will change, then... Nothing's going to change. And, and if that means you're okay with the fact that we are the least upwardly mobile, that 30, now they're saying, I guess now because of Obamacare, 30, it used to be 35,000 Americans died needlessly because they weren't able to see a doctor. People delay getting health care because they're afraid of the bills. So people in this country needlessly die because they show up at the doctor too late. And then, they, and then you have the matter of affording the treatment. And then Bernie made, um, he, he mentioned that uh, 500,000 Americans go bankrupt every year. It used to be over a million before Obamacare. So there's, 
that improvement, but it's still not okay. It is not progress. I mean, I guess um, it is a little bit of progress, but it's the same greed-centered system is still murdering and bankrupting our fellow Americans. And who's next? We're, if somebody can go bankrupt because of medical debt, we can all go bankrupt. There but for the grace of whatever, God, the mystic law, the uh, cause and effect, whatever, Allah. There but for the grace of the great spirit, go I, just for today. It may be any of us tomorrow. All you need is to lose a job, is to get a catastrophic illness, is to have some devastating news, uh, to also have to deal with the, the stress of having to deal with debt collectors calling you and the stress of worrying about how you're going to pay. Oh, it's, it's really, there is no excuse for this richest country on earth. We have enough money. But as Gandhi said, there's enough for everyone's need, but not for everyone's greed. And that's not okay. Capitalism. If capitalism can't do this, then it needs to be reformed, at least. We're going to have, a obviously, a system. And nobody's talking about dismantling um, uh, free enterprise. We're talking about regulating an economy, regulating a country where we can all share in the piece of the pie for this little flesh, the moment of time that we're sharing together. We're not, we're not just a bunch of, of uh, hosts from which to suck profit or to make somebody else rich. We have value. We all have value. We are in this together. I'm looking at the time. Okay, I'm going to take a break because, as you can see, my throat is getting raspy. That's what happens. I get... <clears throat> my throat gets raspy. I need to make some more tea, but we're going to have um, the... Who are we going to have? Labor History in two, and then we'll have a clip from the Mike Malloy Show, and then another Labor History... And it'll be about eight minutes, so we'll all meet back here in eight minutes. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Please follow me, whatever, on Facebook, on YouTube, all that, all those places. Give the show a good review on iTunes. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. Buy some merch at the merchandising store. You can buy... This Francis Jr. Jr. mug, resist, and uh, that all helps. All that stuff helps. So, all right, I'll be back in about eight minutes. I'll see you on the other side. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1990. That was the day that eight of the ten unions at the New York Daily News went out on strike. The paper had had one of the highest daily circulations in the United States. The New York Daily News was owned by the Chicago-based Tribune Company. The strike began when management demanded major concessions from the delivery drivers, 
essentially forcing them out on strike. Seven more unions joined them on the picket line. In retaliation, management brought in scab labor. This caused the ninth union to join the walkout. The newspaper guild workers had planned to honor the picket lines, but not go on strike themselves. But according to an article in the Los Angeles Times, quote, said local guild president Barry Lipton, the editorial employees decided almost immediately at an afternoon meeting to go on strike rather than to work with any imported scabs and goons. Well-known journalist Juan Gonzalez was a strike leader for the local. By using replacement workers, daily news management was able to keep the paper in production. But they found it much more difficult to get the paper distributed. Even where they could make delivery, many newsstands refused to sell the struck paper. The New York Times blamed this on intimidation from the delivery drivers. But they also acknowledged that some refused distribution either out of sympathy for strikers or an unwillingness to offend pro-union customers. To support the strike, the unions put on a concert headlined by Lou Reed, along with Pete Seeger, Q-Tip from A Tribe Called Quest, and other musicians. The strike lasted for five months, prompting the Tribune to sell the paper. Under new management, the strike was finally settled. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. Hi, True Seekers. It's Kathy Malloy. Join us weeknights at 9 p.m. in the East, 6 p.m. in the West, only on the Progressive Voices Network. If you haven't heard the Mike Malloy Show lately, this is what you've been missing. This is from CBS News. President Trump said in a tweet that if he is removed from office, a civil war might erupt in the United States. Mr. Trump was quoting Pastor Robert Jeffress, a Fox News contributor who suggested, Jeffress did, that impeaching this criminal would lead to civil war. Trump's tweet about civil war went viral. And by today, civil war, hashtag civil war two was trending on Twitter, as was hashtag civil war sign up. Some made fun of the potential of another civil war. I wouldn't. Democratic Representative Ted Lieu tweeted, quote, I agree with Republican Representative Adam Kinzinger that Trump's tweet about a civil war over impeachment is beyond repugnant, end quote. Many Twitter users pointed out that inciting civil war could encourage violence. That's what Trump and so many of those scummy, filthy people just swirl around the drain at Fox Sewer and never quite go down. Rush Limbaugh is another one who has been advocating violence, Limbaugh, for 35 years. Hannity picked up on the same thing. Trump hinting that violence would result if Congress lawfully impeaches and convicts him is consistent with Rudy Giuliani's tweeting earlier that Domestic tranquility will not be maintained if the Democrats move forward with impeachment. Trump tweeted, and he attributed the quote to Jeffress, quote, If the Democrats are successful in removing the president from office, parenthetically, which they will never be, close parentheses, it will cause a civil war like fracture in this nation from which our country will never heal. This is from a racist, pig, filthy, Christ-killing piece of human waste who calls himself a pastor, Robert Jeffress in Texas. This mega pastor predicting, in other words, egging on a civil war. Jeffress said that on Fox and Friends. Trump's repetition of the quote has gotten widespread backlash, including from his own party. Rep Republican Representative Adam Kinzinger tweeted, quote, 
I have visited nations ravaged by civil war, Donald Trump. I have never imagined such a quote to be repeated by a president of the United States. This is beyond repugnant, end quote. See what I mean about the cracks? And, and Trump is going to be his chief prosecutor. He is. Every time he opens his mouth, Rudy Giuliani flies out. Kinzinger, the one who, Adam Kinzinger, the Republican, is a veteran, serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He often criticizes Trump on Twitter. He is one of the only Republicans who publicly criticized Trump's call with the uh, Ukrainian president, that poor little mouse who sat there with Trump all puffed up. Like the Cheshire cat, right? And the poor little president of Ukraine sitting over there. Squeak, 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 squeak. That means no pressure. Squeak, squeak, squeak. The Mike Malloy Show, 9 p.m. in the East, 6 p.m. in the West, only on the Progressive Voices Network. Can't listen live? Visit MikeMalloy.com to subscribe to our commercial-free podcast so you can take Mike with you wherever you go and listen whenever you need a dose of screaming in your day. Keep it lit. I'm Rick Smith. And this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1929. On that Wednesday morning, people across the United States woke up to newspaper headlines informing them that something had gone horribly wrong on Wall Street the day before. Black Tuesday, as the day came to be known, had capped off a devastating drop in the market that had begun with the great crash the prior Thursday. $25 billion was lost in the crash, which which would be about $300 billion in today's money. The crash helped spark the Great Depression that saw unemployment soar to 25% and nearly half of the banks in the United States fail. But the day after the crash, the news reports were not all doom and gloom. While Variety declared in big, bold letters, Wall Street lays an egg, other headlines struck a different tone. The New York Times' wordy headline stated, quote, stocks collapse in 16410000 share day, but rally at close cheers brokers. Bankers optimistic to continue aid. The Chicago Tribune went with the more concise stock slump ends in rally. Newspaper reporters attempted to explain the crash. The Denver Post blamed the downturn on gamblers. The Philadelphia Evening Ledger blamed the propagandists of gloom and economic terror. And the New York Times blamed the reckless Wall Street speculators. But many papers also attempted to quell panic over the bad news from New York. The Kansas City Star assured readers that once the adjustment is completed, the country will move forward to new levels of prosperity. The Nashville banner similarly predicted the reaction had to come and the country will be better off for the lesson it has had, costly though it be. That costly lesson became a devastating global depression. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. Yay. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking around. I got my coffee. Mm -mm. I wanted to say thanks to all the patrons. 
Um, let me see. Hold on. I also, where the heck is it? I, god damn it. I had everything set. Now it's all lost. Where is it? I'm sorry, guys. Um, yeah, thanks. I'm seeing now. I, I see now all the super chats. So thank you, Jim and George and Stephen, of course. George again. And Peon. 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 P.N. I was thinking of the of the way Republicans treat us. P.N. P.M.P. Railroad. Thank you. Free, free fuel for the for your show. Don't give up. Thank you. I won't. And I appreciate you. I hope that you keep coming back. Let me see. Where is the Patreons? And I want to thank Jude Morford and Sin City. Thank you for your kind donation and your note. And Jude sent a, a, she sent another postcard. Jude Morford, she has the, has the organization Women Standing. She goes to, um, you, she used to stand for, uh, at, well, against the Iraq War, and she, it's a really powerful display that she puts up of of empty army boots now she's added some baby booties to it to for us to remember the the babies who were ripped from the arms of their parents thanks to the thanks to the rapacious disgusting um trump policy of uh deterrent Aren't they nice people, Republicans? Jesus would have loved that. Wait till Jesus gets a hold of them for that one. But Jude sent a... She sent me this postcard. Women Standing is returning to El Paso and will be doing a stand on October 24th to 28th. Please align, especially on Sunday, October 27th, where the children are. So... Love to you, from Jude. So on October 24th, 28th, she means please keep the her and the children that she's standing for in your in your thoughts and prayers, or wh whatever your particular belief is. Keep Jude and the and those that we're that we are not leaving behind. We refuse. I mean, that's that's Jude right there. She's she is really somebody on the front lines. She refuses to allow the ICE administrators and those who work at these detention centers to to walk away with the false notion that we forget what's going on in there. So Jude's presence and the and the what she sets up with the with the women's standing group um, that reminds reminds the people that are in charge of the detainees that we're not that 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 we're watching we're not we don't forget what's happening and we won't so thank you Jude for doing that you know Jude is someone who should be retired you know what i mean that's the thing if this was a functioning democracy, we can just enjoy retirement. We can go and walk on a beach or something. We don't have to go. We, we wouldn't be standing at detention centers setting up tableaus, uh, effective tableaus of army boots and baby booties 
We would be able to, you know, go to a movie or something. Instead, we got to go and stand in front of a detention center. Really, right? If this, That's the whole point of having a functioning government. We, we, we elect our representatives. We want them to make the general welfare, promote the general welfare over the wel- welfare of the corporate elite so we can all have a decent life. And if the country isn't, if we're not having a decent life, that's, uh, I mean, yes, there, of course, there's personal responsibility, right? But Republicans only stick to that motto when they're trying to deny somebody health care. Of course, we all make our own personal choices, but there's also the, a matter of the system that we're in. There, I'm sorry, there's no, there, there's no amount of hours, there's not enough hours in the day to work for, if you're trading your time for a paycheck, that you can uh, live a decent middle-class life in this world. Unless they're paying a decent salary, a living wage. So, you know, you can only, there's only so many hours in the day you can drive an Uber. An Uber. Uber. It's like the, the poor, it's even the poor man's Uber is Uber. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, like, government, they always, oh, government, nanny state. It's not about a nanny state. It's about a functioning state. These assholes, they want a daddy state that is a, a somebody, I don't know what kind of daddy they had, but their daddy is a, is a scumbag, frankly. He's not a loving and caring daddy. I guess it's like the daddy, their giant man on a cloud daddy. I don't know what kind of God they have. That's the thing with these, these, these so-called Republicans. I mean, these Christians, these faux Christians. I went on... Um, Marco Rubio's Twitter feed, because he's all he's all great with with Trump's Doral, with the Doral being being the choice of all of the hotels on on in America. It has to be the Doral, but he's all he's cool with the grift. But on I went on Marco Rubio's Twitter feed to express my opinion of that grifter, and. Uh, I couldn't believe what my eyes, I had to rub my eyes. I was like, what? Follower of Christ. That's how he describes himself. The first descriptor on his uh, Twitter, whatever, you know, his description. Follower of Christ. Husband. Father. Proud American. In in all caps. Really? How are you a follower of Christ? You're a, you're a hater of Christ. You're somebody who would have crucified Christ. And if he came back, you'll crucify him again. What do you think Christ will be talking about when he comes back? Is he, do you think he'll really give a crap about whose uh, peepees are making a marriage contract, if they have the appropriate combination or not? Or who's, who gets to go into a bathroom? You think he'll care about that? Or will he ask you, how many people did you kick off of their health care? Did you have a party when you did it? Follower of Christ. My, my, I mean, really, honestly, these people, they must think we're all as dumb as the idiots who vote for them. Follower of Christ. Just say it. Say it enough, and maybe we'll believe it. But as Jesus said, know them by their fruits. Or maybe that was his father. I don't know. 
Not his mother, though. These people have no shame, Republicans. They have absolutely no shame. And that's how a republic dies. They don't care. They hate America. They don't know. They, they're confused by America. They don't, the whole America thingy is very confusing to them, clearly. I saw some, I, I saw some Trump and Z was saying uh, something about, um, oh, you know what it is? Here's what happened. The, because uh, Trump threatened to sue CNN. So I was watching some video on about the, the story. Of course, he's, uh, he threatens to sue everybody. And then it becomes a news story. The Trump campaign threatens to sue CNN, citing Project Veritas videos, which is another Project Veritas, which is James O'Keefe, this, this filthy fascist hack who selectively edits videos for the Trump and Z set because they're so stupid, they'll fall for anything. So uh, on Project Veritas had some undercover video of CNN employees saying things like, oh, CNN, you know, hates Trump or whatever. That, who gives a shit? That, the thing is, I work in TV. The, so you have some, some graphic designer who, there's a lot of people who work in TV. They all, everybody has opinions. So they get somebody who, on tape, saying, oh, yeah, we, they don't like Trump. Well, who cares what that one person says? That doesn't mean that they're not abiding by journalistic standards. But according to Trump world, they're all these victims. Everybody's out to get them. But the fact is, they're just fascist dupes under the spell of another uh, wannabe authoritarian dictator who's telling them not to trust the truth that's right before their filthy, greed-centered eyes. They're, well, not these, well, these Trump and Z's. They're just dupes. There's a sucker born every minute. So, uh, of course, James O'Keefe, I don't know how he, uh, these, these idiots, how many times does he have to be fined or whatever for, or go in front of a court to tell the, the judge, oh, gee, I'm sorry for selectively editing this video. How many times? But they, they don't seem to mind. It's like every day is opposite day. It's the bizarro world, living in Trump and Z land, where they're the victims, but all those who they victimize are the oppressor. And everyone's out to get them. The free press, the truth is, is false, and those who selectively edit videos are the truth tellers. Filthy. So I was looking at this video, uh, this stupid Trump and Z. It wasn't, no, it was uh, actually a video about this story. And sometimes I just review the comments, see what people are saying. And some Trump and Z was like, well, who cares what the fake news says about our president or whatever? And I'm like, I couldn't resist. I, I wrote back, well, it's a, it's a patriotic American thing. You wouldn't understand. It's, that's what they are. They are not patriots. They don't like this country. If you're attacking the press, then you're not a patriot. You don't, it doesn't mean that you have to like everything that the press says, but just because they're 
telling the truth about your filthy wannabe daddy that you beg for a trickle doesn't mean that, you know, they're not doing their job. They're, they are the only profession enshrined in the Constitution to, to keep some grifters like Twitler uh, to, to bring it to light, to keep him accountable. But whatever. Of course, Trump had to attack that. He has to. That's what he does. He has to attack the truth because he can't have his idiots believing that he's a con man. But I don't know how they don't know that already. That's what's so fascinating. He there's a long history of all of his cons and all of his swindles, his his petty little swindles, and you know, um, they still don't. They they want him. They still don't believe it. But so, um, always, it's always, he's such a victim, right? So, uh, Trump's, one of his, one of his minions sent a letter to CNN saying he, they seek substantial payment over damages. So, and of course, CNN was like, please get lost. Honestly, it's a, it, a, a, nothing but a publicity stunt. But everybody has to write about it then. This is why we can't have nice things. We can't, the, we can't write about the actual things that are going on, like the half a million people going bankrupt because they got sick. Or how about these, uh, those going to debtor's prison in, Can- in uh, Kansas? I was going to say Canada. In Kansas because they you know, couldn't pay their medical bills. No, but we got to talk about Trump's threatening to sue CNN over damages when that's Trump's game. Why does this? So I'm looking at at Reuters. Trump threatens to sue CNN, seek substantial payment over damages. So by Jan Wolf, lawyers for U.S. President Donald Trump and his reelection campaign have threatened in a letter to sue CNN for what they said was a network falsely advertising itself as a news organization calling on executives to first discuss an appropriate resolution to the matter that would include a substantial payment to cover damages. The, le- the letter, dated October 16th and made public on Friday, is the latest threat by, the Trump, by Trump to sue a media organization over what he sees as unfair coverage. Isn't it, uh, it's so unfair to the poor big king baby since launching his 2016 presidential campaign, although no lawsuits have ever been filed. This is nothing more than a desperate PR stunt and doesn't merit a response, a CNN spokesman said in an email. Rebecca Tushnet, a professor of false advertising at Harvard Law School, said there is no merit to the letter's legal arguments and she doubted a lawsuit would ever be filed. The letter was signed by Charles Hodder, who has sent similar threats to media organizations on Trump's behalf. Last year, Harder suggested Trump would take legal action against the New York Times for an investigative report on his business empire, calling it highly defamatory. Harder threatened a libel suit over fire and fury inside the Trump White House by author Michael Wolff, a book that portrayed an inept president in a fumbling White House, Trump has frequently lashed out at CNN, calling them fake news, an enemy of the people. On November 7th, in 2018, the day after the congressional elections, Trump erupted into anger during a news conference when CNN White House, oh, yeah, we know this, Jim Acosta, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, you know what? He'll never sue because then there's something called discovery, 
and all the truth comes out, and we will all find out what a filthy fascist liar he is. And it's all going to be there in the court documents, but then he'll start saying that the, that the judge is Mexican or something. And that's why he won't sue. He, he didn't sue the New York Times over what he says is a highly defamatory investigative report that he's not a billionaire, that he's a grifter and a cheat and a tax-dodging, ta- tax-cheating con man who only made money through a series of scams and stiffing banks by, uh, you know, by, and pretending to be a successful businessman. But he'll never take legal action because in discovery, it'll all come out. They'll have to show all of his financial records. And that's why the Trump cult is fighting tooth and nail to make sure that that, we never see his financial records because he's not rich. He's a liar. He's a grifter. He and he is also in bed with the Russian oligarchy. That's where he gets all his money. So, I mean, he may be making more money now because he's using our tax dollars as a backstop to all of his filthy schemes and scams. But, you know, he's not rich. He's not a billionaire. He's not, he's not in the, he, he, he's just a con man. That's it. That's why they call it a con man. What is, it means confidence man. You build confidence. You pretend. We know there's a lot of con men on this earth. They go around, they pretend they're like the sons and daughters of celebrities. We know that, but they convince people. And that's how they get, they get people to give them things and they live this high lifestyle. But it's all a, a ruse and they do it by pre, you know, walking around, puffing up their chest, pretending to be what they're not. So, oh, God, please, Sue. I wish he would sue. Why doesn't he sue? And here's here's him. Actually, I took this video. I didn't take it myself, but I grabbed it. Oh, uh, the other thing I want to talk about, I'll get that. Here's him threatening to sue his sexual assault accusers. Trying to poison the mind of the American voter. Every woman lied when they came forward to hurt my campaign. Total fabrication. Bullshit. Then sue. So, like you said, you would. The events never happened. Never. All of these liars will be sued after the election <laughs> is over. Oh, well, it's two years after the election. Where, where's the lawsuits? He doesn't want a lawsuit. Because then we will all, it'll all be on the record. Okay, where is that? Okay. The other thing, I see the time. One more thing I wanted to play that really irritated me. So I went to see Bernie today, as we know, and it was great. And hopefully we'll, we, we'll love ourselves enough to get somebody who actually works for the people in the White House. Well, first, he has to win the Democratic nomina- nomination and, all of the, and not listen to all the bullshit from uh, the other candidates, the other Democratic candidates, too. If we aren't getting someone taking this opportunity to put someone in there that isn't owned by banksters or the one percent who is promising to fix this broken system if and 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 we don't do it now we're done we know this this is how i feel i it's the truth 
I know that a lot of you feel the same way, but that is the truth. And I and I don't want to go into the Joe Biden, my whole Joe Biden philosophy right now. But we know, we know what it is. That if he gets in, he's not going to do anything, and it's the next fashion is going to be worse. So, but anyway, um, watching Bernie, uh, could you imagine? I, that's all I was thinking was, do we, do we care about ourselves enough to have a decent human being represent us to, to on, on the national on the world stage but i don't know if you saw it so trump he he has to go fly and have his narcissistic supply rallies his nuremberg rallies with all the dupes and so he had to go to texas this week every you know he always has to go get his go be with all of his his cult and one of the things that really gets on my nerves is when he he talks about acting presidential. So let me just I'll just play this clip. Here's Trump saying, "Oh, he can be presidential." Well, he's been saying that for forever since he became the Republican standard bearer and before. This is how much Republicans hate this country. They put this tax dodging, draft dodging, tax cheating grifter con man, wannabe dictator, authoritarian, every envying, uh, unfit, moron, narcissistic, narcissistic sociopath in the highest executive office in the land. They did that to us, knowing fully who the hell he was. And here's Trump telling his, his uh, mouth-breathing base... That he's he's this is how he acts at acts presidential. No more oil, no more natural. So here we have a few people, right? No guns, no religion. You know they put the black people right behind him. Those are probably the only the only two there. They always do that. And uh, so what Trump is talking about there that oh if Democrats get in office everything's going to change. You're going to have no guns, no religion. Yeah. You won't be able to cling to your guns and your Bible anymore and, and tell, uh, tell gays that they're going to hell. No oil, no natural gas. Yeah, no, you know, none of it. It's all going to go o- overnight. It'll all disappear. Maybe we'll have a decent life. You know, we'll have renewable energy and... Oh, oh, go ahead. I'll just keep playing it. Abraham Lincoln could not win Texas under those circumstances. Really? Abraham Lincoln would not be a Republican in this in this day and age. He would be a Democrat. He would be a liberal. The the Republican Party of Abraham Lincoln was a liberal party created as an antidote to the entrenched democratic power of the of its day. But Republicans are like infants. We we went over this last week. They're little babies. They are emotionally stunted infants. So, if you call they, whatever they're called, they will. Oh, it's always, uh, you know, they, they, I get, I get these emails and tweets and shit from these Republican idiots saying like, oh, it was the Democrats who were, uh, who were all about Jim Crow and the Democrats for, uh, you know, that that were all for slavery. The the Democratic Party of the South of its day was a racist ass party, but we got rid of those racist assholes. You took them. 
Now it's now it's 2019. You have the racist assholes, and look at your standard bearer, a racist asshole. But these idiots would eat a, a, an ice cream cone. If I put a, if I put dog poop on an ice cream cone and and called an ice cream, they'd lick it, because I guess it doesn't matter what's in it; it's what it's called, right? Oh wait, where is he? Couldn't do it, Ted. Couldn't do it, Louis. Abraham Lincoln, honest Abe, couldn't do it, Louis. Right? Remember, you could do it. Be more presidential. Look. Look at him, right? Now he's he's pretending to be presidential. He straightened his back. He has a solemn look on his face. And all of the morons, they're eating it up. They love it. Look at him acting presidential. But there they are again, proving, be more presidential. proving how much they hate America. Than any president in history, except for Honest yes, Abe yeah. Lincoln when he's wearing the hat. That's tough. That's tough. That's Shut a tough one to be. filthy. No, it's much easier. Being presidential is easy. All you have to do is act like a stiff. Look. Act like a stiff. Well, that's it. That's all. You don't have to have any qualities, decency, intelligence, intellectual curiosity, and knowledge of the world, care for your fellow human beings. You have to have nothing. You just have to walk like a stiff. According to Republicans, that's why they put someone who has absolutely no business being anywhere near a wet T-shirt contest in Atlantic City, much less the Oval Office. He has no business leading anyone, a drunken conga line, much less the United States, not much less a great nation. Yeah, all you got to do is, le- is look like a stiff, and these idiots are applauding. So the next time you go to a doctor, so don't worry what the doctor's credentials are. You know, if you need surgery, just have somebody that looks like a surgeon. Let them put on a coat and a hat, scrub up. I don't know. Have you ever done surgery? No. I had a multi-level marketing vitamin scam. I had a fake university. Oh, well, you look very, you look very doctorish. Go right ahead. These people are haters of America. Don't forget it. And don't ever let them tell you otherwise. They hate this country. They talk about us, the liberals, hating this country. We love this country. We love it so much that when we get universal health care, we're going to allow them to have it too. We're doing it for them too. And when we eliminate the for-profit rapacious health care racket, All of those assholes in Kansas who voted Republican and are sitting in the debtor's court, they're going to be free. They're going to be free to have their goddamn leukemia and seizures without a rapacious Republican breathing down their necks. We're going to do that for them, too. When, when, and maybe some of their kids, they'll be able to go to college without coming out as an indentured servant to the banks. Even them. That's that's a testament to the Democratic Party and the liberal values that we, even them, even Republicans get to have the benefits of the hard work that we, we put in. Not them. They don't put in any hard work for anybody but themselves. If it wasn't for them, if if they, if they had their way, we'd still have no 
pre-existing conditions protections. Remember that? How they all hated that. We, we progress in spite of them. And this, this whole charade that, that Trump put on, look at me being presidential and these assholes laughing about it, goes to show you how much they hate this country. Because you're, it's like children and, how, and what infants they are. Because if you, if you love this country, you do not make a mockery of it. When they're mocking the president, they are mocking the system of government our founders fought a revolution to entrust to us. So what is so funny about making a joke, about saying that all you need to do is stand up like a stiff to be a president? What's so funny about that? That's not funny. That's alarming. And it also sh- it says to me that you're not funny at all. You're, you're uh, a danger to this country. You are why I get up and do this show and why we get out in the streets to rally the normal people and bring the independents along who understand that, you, that Republicans are unfit to hold leadership positions in a modern nation. Look at what they've done to us. If you love something, you don't mock it. When you love something, you behave like that. You show it respect. If you went into court... If you sit around, oh, yeah, acting like, oh, look at me, uh, what would happen? They would put you in jail because you're supposed to have respect for the court. It's the same thing here with these idiots. They think this is funny. All it says is that they are incapable of functioning in a free democratic society, in the type of society that they can only pretend to love. And this is why they need to be removed all of them. It's not just, I don't care. I, I, I was, somebody was saying, oh, if we get President Pence, he needs to go too. They're all a bunch of crooks. Every Republican. All of them. Unbelievable. So on, uh, the, uh, let's just, let me just see if there's anything more on this. Oh, look, he's being presidential. Ha ha. So funny what a bunch of Ladies and gentlemen, filthy traitors we are. It is a great honor to be with you this evening. Yeah, because oh, because that's a joke, right? When you get up there, when the president gets up there, he's the face of the nation, and he says to whoever he's speaking to, it's a great honor. He doesn't really respect them. He's just met, putting on a show. Maybe it's not a show for those who actually are capable of functioning in a democracy, who became president and uh, have some respect for the office. Maybe that's not a, an act for them. That's how they behave, because they're decent human beings. Not con men. Not grifters. With a multi-level marketing vitamin scam where you got to pee in a cup with a Trump logo on it and send it out to some pretend laboratory so you could take non-FDA-approved vitamins so Trump can pocket the money. Remember that scam? All of the little scams and swindles. The swindle that he pulled over the the eyes of these assholes. This is the worst. I'm looking at all their faces behind him. That stupid bitch in the right over there, right over his shoulder. Big grin, that blonde with the glasses. Oh, big funny grin. Look at us. Look at the America haters. And we're all supposed to be like, this is okay. Unreal, right? I don't, it's beyond belief. And Republicans are going to 
continue to pretend that they love America. Nothing to see here. What did Mick Mulvaney say? Get over it. Oh, yeah, get over it. They have to try every angle. Nothing to see here didn't work. Now it's, oh, uh, okay, we did it. Quid pro quo. We're trading your tax dollars allocated for the defense of a fledgling democratic country can protect itself from Trump's master, Putin. So we're going to use that tax dollar already allocated as uh, leverage to, buy, to find dirt on a political opponent. Get over it. And now they're actually selling shirts. The Trump campaign is, sh- is selling get over it shirts. It's all about marketing and branding for Republicans. They have nothing actually to sell. They are traitors. And they are committing daily treason. They're grifting. That's the other thing. We were talking about this the other day with Giuliani. And I was thinking about it. So Giuliani's flying all over the globe making scummy deals with these uh, dictators and oligarchs, natural gas deals. And I'm like, how old is this guy? That's all you're doing with your limited lifespan? We, nobody knows who is promised tomorrow. But while Jimmy Carter is out there building Habitat for Humanity, Giuliani, all these horrible people are flying all over the globe trying to make deals for themselves because it's never enough for them. They are sick. They have a very warped view of what it means to be alive. There is no uh, getting around it. They need to be legally and peacefully, of course, removed from our body politics, just like you would lance a boil. They are a festering wound on this country. And it's if we don't get it back and get somebody in there that's going to fix what's broken, we're, it's, it's going to happen again. All right, guys, I see the time. I want to thank all the patrons. I want to thank you, Andrea, Anthony, Cynthia, Damask Cats, Daniel, Deborah, Dwayne, Gail, George, Hi-Fi Guy, Haiku, James, Jane, Jim, Joan, Joey, John, Kathleen, Katie, Kay, Lord Wafflecat, Mark, Martin, Mary, Michael, Michael B., Michael L.D., Paradu, Peter, Randall, Stephen, Susan, Teresa, Tony, and Tony. Yes, there you go. Thank you, guys. I One day it's going to be too long to read. That day will come soon. So I want to pre- appreciate it. I want to thank you. I appreciate you for hanging out every week. So we meet every Saturday evening. I know, it goes by so fast, doesn't it, Haiku? It really does. I can't believe it. I'm looking at the time. I would probably keep going, but the Saturday show has to fit into the Progressive Voices slot, which is two hours. And if I went over, I'd have to cut it down. And I'm very tired, honestly. I really need to go to bed. Because tomorrow I'm waking up early to do some trap, neuter, and release work with the New York City Feral Cat Initiative. So... There's always something to do. If you're feeling down, you feel lonely, you're feeling despondent, get out there. Honestly, that's the best thing that I find for myself is to get out there and help somebody else help something else. You know, I, I love animals, but you're, you can also help other people. And it is the best remedy for despair, really. And, uh, you know, that's what we do. We make the world a better place. 
So let's meet back here. I know we're going to be here Saturday, but hopefully I'll be able to do another show during the week. I I'm going to try as as best I can to to get that to make that happen and then we'll have more loosey goosey. Uh I'll have more time. It's, you know, we we're cuz it's not going on progressive voices that show, just this show. So, and if you're, you know, you like the show, please tell your friends keep coming back. And like I always say, we stick together, we win, and we will win. We are on the right side of history and the right side of humanity. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you again, and thanks for all you do, really. I'll see you later.